Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I hope you have a great day. Um, there was a man, he was in a boat. The, the sounds and the, the smells of the sea, they, they overwhelmed him. He had spent all night fishing, fishing during the night in, in hopes to avoid the hot sun during the day and in hopes that maybe during the evening he'd have a, a better chance of catching fish. He stood staring at empty nets. He had not caught a thing. He was feeling discouraged. He was thinking to himself, what kind of fisherman am I? He, he glances up. He sees his, his brother washing the other nets. It, it seems like they're going to give up for the night. And, and suddenly he hears a voice, a, a voice calling his name. He, he looks up, he looks to the shore and there's a man standing on the shore saying, Simon, as this man in the boat, Simon, he, he looks at this man on the shore. He's surprised that this man knows his name. And he knows this man. He had seen this man speak just days before. This, this man had actually helped his mother-in-law. As Simon looks at this man on the shore, uh, he glances behind him and he sees a large crowd of people following him. This man on the shore, he approaches Simon's boat. Before Simon can say a word, the, the man on the shore, he's climbing into the boat. And the man, he turns around and he starts to teach the people who are on the shore. Simon just kind of stands back. He takes a seat and listens as the man teaches. Eventually, the, the man finishes teaching. The crowd goes away and the man turns to Simon and says, let's take this boat out to deeper water. Let's cast out the nets. And here Simon is saying, we have not caught any fish all Night, But because you have asked me, because you have asked, I will cast out the nets once more. So they navigate to deeper water. And Simon prepares the nets and he throws the nets over the side of the boat. And suddenly he feels a great force, a great force that's pulling. He can't pull it back up into the boat. He calls his brother over. Now they're both trying to pull the net back into the boat, but they can't do it. And so now they're calling over their, their friends who are nearby in a boat. And now all of them, they're, they're trying to pull these nets back into the boat. And, and eventually they do it. Eventually, as the nets come to the surface, fish just start spilling out, piling into both boats. So many fish that the, the boats start to sink. There Simon is staring at the nets no longer empty. He's no longer feeling discouraged. He's feeling amazed. He goes and he throws himself at the feet of that man from the shore. He says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. The man from the shore, he lifts Simon to his feet. He, he smiles, says, don't be afraid. Come with me, follow me. I, I will make you a fisher of men. Simon and, and, and the rest, they, they make their way to shore and he gets off the boat. He, he kind of glances back at the boat and, and sees more fish than he's ever seen in his life. And that amount of fish would make them so much money but he doesn't care. He, he turns and he leaves it behind. He leaves everything behind to follow this man on the shore. Suddenly Simon awakes. He had been dreaming, dreaming of the day his life had changed. The day he left everything he knew and everything he had to follow this man on the shore. That was three years ago. So much had happened since that day. Simon wipes the tears from his eyes. He, he looks around a dark room and, and sees other people sleeping. 
They were all hiding. They were uncertain of what was going to happen next. They, they were scared. Sitting in the dark, Simon continues to think about the memories from his journey in the past three years. These years had been incredible, the best years of his life. He had learned so much. He had grown so close to his teacher, this man from the shore that he chose to follow. And this man, he became more than Simon's teacher. He became Simon's friend. This man had even given Simon a new name. He gave him the name Peter, which meant rock. But Peter received more than just a name, new name from this man. He received a purpose. He received a devotion, something bigger than himself. He received a, a belief that was unmeasurable. Peter believed that this man was important, maybe the most important man to ever live. And Peter followed this man. He witnessed this man do incredible things. He witnessed this man do incredible miracles. He, he watched as this man would speak to thousands of people. He watched as this man would have love and compassion on the lost and the hurting. Peter thought that this man was going to change everything. At this point in the dark room, all these thoughts flooding into Peter's mind, all these memories, he, he sat feeling scared. He sat feeling hopeless. As Peter thought of this man, tears filled his eyes. He couldn't even bring himself to even utter the man's name, but he knew he had to try. So with his eyes closed and tears streaming down his face, he whispered into the dark, Jesus. As he said that name, as he said the name of the man from the shore that he chose to leave everything to follow, his, his heart sinks, his, his mind sinks. You see this man that Peter had been following, this man named Jesus, Peter believed that he was the Messiah, the one sent by God. Peter thought that Jesus was going to change absolutely everything. But Peter sat realizing that everything did indeed change, just not the way he thought it would. Peter's teacher, Peter's friend, this man that he left to follow, this man named Jesus, he was dead. And now all hope was lost. Peter was hiding with the other disciples. They, they were scared. They were uncertain of what to do next. Peter's mind, it races back to a conversation, a conversation he had with Jesus just the other day, just the day before, before Jesus was put to death. You will all turn away, Jesus told the disciples. It is written, I will strike the shepherd down. Then the sheep will be scattered. But after I rise from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter said, all the others, they may turn away, but I will not. What I'm about to tell you is true, Jesus answered. It will happen today, and in fact, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you, you yourself will say three times that you don't know me. But Peter, he would not give in. I may have to die with you, but I will never say that I don't know you. And all the others said the same thing. Peter sat remembering those words that he said to Jesus. I will never, never say that I don't, I don't know you. As those words echoed around in his brain, in his mind, tears flooded his eyes. Anger began to rise up in him. Why didn't I do what I said, Peter thought. Why didn't I stand up for him? Why did I betray him? Peter had been so confident that he would stay by Jesus' side no matter what happened. But once Jesus was arrested, all the disciples, they scattered. Peter followed as the high priest's servants led Jesus away with his hands bound. Peter wasn't right by his side. He, he was following at a distance, 
staying hidden. Once they got Jesus to trial, Peter tried to get as close as he could without being noticed. Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the high priest's female servants came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with Jesus, that, that Nazarene, she said. But Peter said he had not been with him. I, I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. He went out to the entrance to the courtyard. The servant saw him there. She said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he said he was not. After a little while, those standing nearby said to Peter, you must be one of them. You're from Galilee. Then Peter began to curse. He said to them, I don't know this man that you're talking about. Right away, the rooster crowed a second time. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had spoken to him. The rooster will crow twice, he had said, but before it does, you will say three times that you don't know me. Peter broke down and cried. After that moment, Peter fled. He went and he hid until he heard from other disciples that Jesus had been killed. And now here he was weeping in the dark, hiding, constantly returning to this realization that he had betrayed his friend, his Messiah. He had thought that he would be fearless. He, he thought that he would stay by his side no matter what. If only he had made a different decision, if only he could reach back and get a second chance to make the right choice, sorrow devoured Peter. If only he could see Jesus one more time. If only he could apologize, throw himself at Jesus' feet and beg for forgiveness. Would Jesus even accept his apology? It didn't matter, Peter thought, because Jesus was dead and now all hope was lost. Peter sat consumed by guilt, shame, and regret. And with every thought, his mind began to sink like a stone tossed into the sea. Peter's mind began to sink into the depths. This is what he deserved, he thought. He was the betrayer. He continued to sink into the depths, weighed down by shame, guilt, and regret. No hope, no way to make it right. This was rock bottom. If only he could go back and make a different decision. He was no longer Peter. He thought he, he messed that up. Back to who he was before he met Jesus, back to Simon, back to his life before he left everything to follow that man that he thought would change everything. Except now he had to live with his mistake, except now he had to live with his new title, Simon, the betrayer. Now the, the Bible, it doesn't go into great detail about what Peter did once he betrayed Jesus, but I feel like th this is probably what he went through, right? Uh, obsessing over memories, obsessing over uh, making that mistake, that decision that he made to betray. I'm sure that's how I would respond as well. In our life, we mess up, right? We make decisions that often we know are wrong. And after doing so, our minds begin to sink like a stone. Sinking into the depths, there we rest, overwhelmed by memories of before, wishing we had made a different decision. If only we could reach back and make the right choice. Can we get a second chance? We're weighed down by shame, guilt, and regret. And this is what we deserve, we tell ourselves, as we sink and settle into the depths. We've sank to the very bottom, and, and this is where we'll stay. We are the betrayer. Why would God want anything to do with us, we tell ourselves? Would he even accept our apology? Have you been there, rock bottom in your life, maybe the lowest point? 
because we made the wrong decision, because we turned our backs on God in our minds, we think he's turned our, his back on us. And so in the depths, that's where we'll stay. That's where we belong. There's no way to go back. There's no way to take back the decision that we made. No hope for another chance. No hope for rescue. We thought everything was gonna change for the good, but then we became the betrayer. If only there was something, if only there was someone that could lift us from the depths. If only there was someone with a strong hand that could grasp us tight and help us rise. My sophomore year of college, uh, that was the year I knew God was calling me to work with kids. I was excited for that dream that he revealed to me. Um, and I was excited to get started right away. And so I remember uh, I, knowing that I had to finish college, but I knew that that summer I was gonna have to get a job. So I'm gonna get a job working with kids. Uh, I can get experience. I could start adding to my resume. But best of all, I'm gonna be doing something in God's name. I'm gonna be doing something that God is proud of me for, that he's calling me to do. So that, that summer, after my sophomore year of college, I, I start applying to all these different summer camps. I, all across the country, eventually I, I'm offered a position at a camp in um, Massachusetts. And it's about 12 hours away from Beloit, but I don't care. I'm excited for the adventure. I'm, I'm excited to, to step out and do something for God in his name. Um, so I remember making that trek to Massachusetts, driving all that way, the whole way, I was full of joy. I was full of hope. Uh, I was excited to see what plans God had for me, how God was gonna use me. I spent all my money getting to Massachusetts, but I didn't care because I knew that I was gonna make money at the camp and that at the end of the summer, when it was time to go home, I'd have money to get home. I, I remember pulling into the camp, driving up the long drive, that led to the camp. It was a huge camp. It was beautiful. I remember getting to the parking lot, meeting the camp director. Uh, and he gave me a tour around the camp. It was getting late in the evening. So we ate dinner in the cafeteria. And then he took me to the cabin where I'd be staying for the whole summer. He left me there to get settled in and to uh, sleep. And so I remember rolling out my sleeping bag, sitting on that bunk and thinking to myself, I've made a huge mistake thinking to myself, well, uh, why did you come someplace so far away from your home, from your friends and your family? Uh, I was thinking to myself that I couldn't do this. This was so far out of my comfort zone. I, I was going to be terrible at this. What was I thinking? As I was thinking those thoughts, I started to be filled with fear. And as that fear started to fill in me and I, I started to sink, I, I started to wrestle with this idea. I, I could just leave. No one, no one is saying that I have to stay. I, I can leave if I want to. I knew in my heart though, I knew that God wanted me to stay. I, I knew that God had a plan for me. And, and in that moment, I, I think, well, I've driven all day. I'm tired. I'm gonna go to sleep. I'll wake up tomorrow. Things will be different. So I go to sleep. I wake up the next day. Nothing's different. I still feel the same way. I still feel like I need to just leave. I want to just leave. So I, I remember going to breakfast, eating breakfast. And when I was leaving the cafeteria, they asked me if I would uh, escort a, one of the kids to the recreation center. I said, yeah, no big deal. And we're walking, we're walking in silence because I'm just deep in thought, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do. Um, and as we're walking, 
this kid, he breaks the silence. He says to me, you know, I don't think people should quit things. Like, what the heck? He goes, he keeps going on. Yeah, yeah, if you say you're gonna do something, you should do it. You shouldn't quit something. At this point, my mind is blown. I'm thinking, is this kid reading my mind? Is God speaking to me through this kid? And he just keeps going on and on and on about why you shouldn't quit things that you said you were gonna do. Eventually, I've had enough. I don't wanna hear anymore. I just say to him, why don't you just shut up? Not my proudest moment, um, but I didn't want to hear it. I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't want anyone trying to convince me to make the right choice. So now we're continuing to walk to the recreation center, a little bit more awkward now. I, I drop him off at the recreation center. I head to the cabin. I grab my stuff. I get in my car and I leave. I quit. And I, I remember driving down that driveway again, now, this time with the, the camp disappearing in my rearview mirror, thinking to myself, what are you doing? Jake, you are making the wrong choice, but I didn't care. Immediately, I realized I didn't have any money. Um, so I had to call my dad and, and explain to him the choice that I had just made. And uh, back then, this will let you know how old I am. I, we did not have PayPal, Venmo, or cash apps. We had something called Western Union. Um, <laughs> and so he had to transfer me money to a Western Union. I remember sitting outside that Western Union in that little town, staring at the neon signs in the window, kind of zoned out, already starting to feel guilt, already starting to feel regret and shame. I glance over at my passenger seat and I see my Bible. Immediately when I see my Bible, a wave of guilt just crashes into me. I pick up my Bible, I open the glove box, I put it in and I slam the glove box shut. I go into the Western Union, I get the money, I come back, get in the car and I start heading home. As I made my way home, as I drove away from that camp, I felt like I was driving away from God. I felt like I had betrayed God. I, I made the wrong decision and now he wanted nothing to do with me. I made the wrong choice. I turned my back on him. So now he's got his back turned on me. So as I drive away from him, I feel like that plan that he had for my life, it's gone. That hope and that joy that I had felt because of him, that's gone. What would he want with a betrayer like me? And I could not get the image of, of me leaving camp out of my head. And I would get to the point where I would just wish I could go back. I wish I could reach back and make a different decision. If I could just get a second chance and make the right choice, everything would be different. I remember getting home finally, and it's super late, uh, staring at the back door, humiliated, embarrassed, not wanting to go inside, not wanting to look my parents in the eye. I, I knew they were upstairs sleeping though. So I, I went inside. I didn't go up to my room. I just laid down on the couch, laid down on the couch in the living room, stared at the ceiling. And as the regret, the shame and the guilt, as that image of me leaving the camp, of, of me making the wrong choice, it, it took over. It started to weigh me down and the, all of that shame and regret and guilt I started to sink into the depths. All my excitement, all my future, or all my hope and joy for the future was gone. 
The next day I left, I, I, I woke up and I started heading down to Lincoln, Illinois, where I went to college. I had a buddy who was staying there for the summer. I called him, hey, can I sleep on your couch? He's like, yeah. So I headed that way to sleep on his couch and hopefully find a job. Um, devoured by sorrow and guilt, I felt like I'd never get out of the depths because of the decision that I had made. Peter, he, he sat staring at the flames of a small campfire on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He and, he and the other disciples, they were no longer hiding in that room. They had gone back to Galilee. He was back on the shore, the sounds and the smells all too familiar. He, this was the place that it all began. This was the place he left everything to follow Jesus. He glanced towards the water. He sees the sun setting in the distance. Still overwhelmed with guilt, his mind still resting in the depths. Simon the betrayer, back to fishing for fish, no longer a fisher of men. As he stared at the water, he was lost in thought about another memory that happened right there on that water. Another memory with Jesus. He, he thinks about that memory. In that memory, Jesus had told Peter and the disciples to start heading across to the other side of the lake and, and he would meet up with them later. So the disciples, they get in the boat, they start heading to the other side of the lake, but the wind is strong. The wind is blowing against them. They're struggling against the wind. Eventually they see a figure walking towards them. They think it's a ghost until they hear Jesus's voice say, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter, he calls out to Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Lord, is it you? Peter asked, if it is, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Can you imagine Peter stepping out of the boat? As he steps out of the boat, he's walking on the water. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. He's walking towards Jesus. Nothing else matters until eventually he feels the rain on his face. He feels the wind blowing against him. He feels the waves crashing against him. And as he feels all that, as he notices, as his eyes shift elsewhere off of Jesus, he begins to sink deeper and deeper into the water until eventually he reaches out his hand towards Jesus and he says, Lord, save me. And right away, Jesus reaches for him, grabs his hand and lifts him up to the surface. And he says to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt me? Thinking of that memory as he stares at the water, his mind still resting in the depth. I'm sure Peter longed for Jesus to save him again, to reach out his hand and lift him up from the depths, but it was too late. The sun had gone down at this point, so Peter decided he was gonna go out and, and do some fishing. He lets the other disciples know and they say, hey, we'll join you. So they all get into the boat and they, they start heading for deeper water. They had no luck fishing that night. Once again, Peter is staring at an empty net, feeling discouraged. The, the emptiness of the net matched the emptiness he felt inside. His, his mind still resting in the depths. He, he couldn't help but dwell on the thought of a second chance. If only he could go back. If only he could get that second chance, everything would be different. And once again, thinking of the day that he left everything to follow Jesus. He's thinking if he had the chance again, he would do it. He would follow with no hesitation, even knowing everything he knows now, he would follow. Suddenly a voice calls out to them from the shore. Friends, don't you have any fish? The voice calls out. The disciples answer, no. The man on the shore calls out again, throw your net on the right side of the boat. There you will find some fish. 
So they try it. And when they did, they couldn't pull the net back into the boat. It was, it was too heavy. There was too many fish in it. And Peter is standing there thinking there's something so familiar about this. There's something so familiar about this man's voice. Here's what the Bible says. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Simon Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard that, he put his coat on. He had taken it off earlier. He jumped into the water. The other disciples, they followed in the boat. They were towing the net full of fish. The shore was only about a hundred yards away. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it. There was also some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some, fish, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter, he climbs back into the boat. He dragged this net to shore. It was full of large fish. There were 153 of them. But even with that many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same thing with the fish. What I love about this is even a resurrected Jesus is still a servant to the disciples. And so the disciples, they sit and they eat with Jesus. I imagine their minds are lost in thought that Jesus is back from the dead. His mind still resting in the depths, still feeling shame, guilt, and regret for having betrayed Jesus. Peter stares at the coals of the fire with tears in his eyes. He didn't even dare to look Jesus in the eyes, thinking Jesus wanted nothing to do with a betrayer like him. In the depths is where he would rest, even in the presence of Jesus. But once they all finished eating, Jesus, he begins to talk with Peter. You can imagine Peter's apprehension, his, his fear. Is Jesus going to yell at him? Is Jesus going to scold him? Is Jesus going to humiliate him and call him out in front of everyone? Jesus, he asks Peter a question. Here's what the Bible says. When Jesus and the disciples had finished eating, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter. He asked Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord, he answered. You, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus asked Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Jesus spoke to him a third time. He asked Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt bad because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He answered, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. And now three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Each time Peter replied, yes, I love you. Jesus gave Peter a command, right? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about animals, right? He was known as the good shepherd. His sheep were people, his sheep were his followers, he was calling Peter to be a shepherd by giving him those commands. He, he was telling Peter, your time as a fisher of men, it is not through. He was telling Peter, if you love me, you can live out that love by loving others, by leading others. Doing this in front of the other disciples, it, it was a way of restoring Peter. Three times in public, Peter betrayed Jesus. Now in front of everyone, three times, Peter proclaims his love and devotion to Jesus. Jesus didn't ask Peter, are you sorry? Are you gonna promise never to do it again? Jesus simply challenges Peter to love, not just to love him, but to love others. 
as well. Jesus was saying, just because you made a mistake, all hope is not lost. If you still love me, there is always hope. Show your love for me by loving others. And the last thing Jesus says to Peter during this conversation is this. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. Follow me. With those two words, Peter knew there was hope. Though he had betrayed Jesus, though he had sunk into the depths, allowing shame, guilt, and regret to weigh him down and to take over, Jesus still wanted Peter. Jesus still loved him, still had plans for him to do great things. Jesus proclaimed, if you love me, keep going. Keep working. Don't worry about messing up. Feed my sheep. Lead my children. Love others the way that I love you. In this moment, Peter was reminded of the the day his life changed, the the day he left everything and followed Jesus. And and here he was once again, being asked to follow him once again, being asked to leave everything behind to follow, except this time that everything that he was supposed to leave behind was the guilt, the shame, and the regret. Jesus was saying, let it go. If you love me, follow me, love others. And with that, Peter, once again, he felt Jesus' hand plunge into the water and grasp his hand as he reached out from the depths and Jesus helped him rise to the surface. Why did you doubt me? Peter, once again, a rock, not one that sinks, but one that stands on solid ground. As I said, I I went down to Lincoln, Illinois. I was going to sleep on my buddy's couch. I had gotten two jobs. I got a job to work during the day as a groundskeeper at the uh, college I attended. And then in the evenings, I worked at a buffet-style restaurant called Bonanza. Um, I hated every minute of it. I was working long hours every day, and I hated it. But I, I would tell myself, this is what you deserve. This is what you get for making the wrong choice. Each night as I I laid on that clunky couch and I I drifted off to sleep, I would stare at the ceiling and I would just remember leaving that camp. If only I could reach back and make a different decision. Things would be so different. I had been so hopeful, so, so full of joy. But now as my mind rested in the depths, no hope, no joy. I felt like I'd worked jobs I hated the rest of my life. I I felt like I screwed up my chance to do something incredible for God. I I, I felt like I screwed up the plans that he had for me. Uh, Because I made the wrong decision, he had no plans for me. Now that I felt like he wanted nothing to do with me. This was my rock bottom, my lowest point. Because of the, the decision that I made, because I chose to betray, I'd be stuck in the depths. I remember working at the restaurant. I was closing one night, so I was leaving. It was super late. Uh, I remember leaving exhausted, getting to my car, getting inside my car, going to start my car. Doesn't start. Try to start again. Doesn't start. I remember punching the steering wheel, screaming at the dashboard. Is anything ever going to go my way? I start to look around the car. Again, this is going to show you how old I am. Back then, we would write people's phone numbers down on pieces of paper. Um, So I had a piece of paper that had everyone's phone, all my friends' phone numbers on it in the car somewhere. I was looking for it. Uh, I go to look for it in the glove box, not thinking. And what do I find? My Bible. I had shoved in there the day I left camp. I, I had not touched it since. Immediately when I see my Bible, I start to weep. I, I start to cry. 
I pick it up, I set it on my lap, and for the first time in a month, I talk to God. I remember saying, what do I have to do? Uh, please just tell me, what do I have to do to make it right? What do I have to do to get you back into my life? As I cried out to God, I, 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 as I prayed, I decided I would read my Bible. I, I asked God to speak to me. I didn't know what to read. And my dad taught me this. He's very wise. I just closed my eyes. I held my Bible up. I opened it and I pointed Here's what God gave me that night. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as I read those words, I could feel the hand of Jesus lift me up from the depths. As I read those words, I knew in my heart that God was with me, that he had never left me. Almost as if God was saying, Jake, do you love me? Uh, because I love you. There's nothing that could ever change that. Neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, no amount of depth, no amount of guilt, no amount of regret, no amount of shame, nothing could ever change that. I remember leaving that night, not being able to find anyone to come pick me up. I didn't care. I walked home with my Bible in hand. Um, and for the first time in a month, I, I felt joy. I felt hope. I felt excited for a second chance. I felt excited to follow Jesus. But why did I wait so long? We often do though, right? We settle into the depths after making a bad decision, weighed down by guilt and regret, constantly obsessing over memories, constantly punishing ourselves, constantly looking back at that bad choice that we made, constantly wishing that we could go back in time, trying to reach back with the idea that, that things would be so different had we just made a different choice. But the truth is, instead of obsessing over the past, we should be focused on the present. We should be focused on the future instead of trying to reach back into the past and trying to reach back for that second chance. We should be reaching towards Jesus in the present right away. He reaches for you. His hand grasps tightly around yours, pulling you towards him, pulling you towards safety, pulling you towards grace, pulling you towards mercy, pulling you towards a second chance. And there's nothing for us in the past. We can't change it, so why dwell on it? Why allow it to affect our present? Only Jesus can provide us the second chance we're looking for. That second chance is not in the past. That second chance is now. It is today and it is every day moving forward. As Jesus helps us rise up from the depths, he's asking us, do you love me? My friends, if you still love Jesus, there is always hope. Jesus is saying, if you love me, follow me. Well, what does following Jesus look like? As we follow Jesus, he's not leading us back. He's leading us forward. Following Jesus means looking forward, not backwards. It means moving forward, not staying in one spot, not resting in the depths. Each time Peter was called to follow, he left everything. He did not turn back and we can't turn back either. We were not created to be in the depths. We were created to rise and shine in the glory of God, but it's our choice. That's why Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Are you ready to move on? Are you ready to let go of that guilt and that regret? It's your choice. If you're ready, follow me. 
Peter could not accomplish God's plans for his life had he remained in the depths. He had to rise and choose to follow. I would not be where I am today had I remained in the depths. I had to rise and choose to follow. God had plans for Peter God had plans for me. God has plans for you. When Jesus was crucified and they put him in the earth, the depths, they could not hold him. God had other plans. And by the power of God, he rose again. And by the power of God, we can rise. We can rise from the depths, out of the depths and into his hands. (laughs) But let's be real. If we're being honest, it takes effort, right? Just because we choose to follow does not mean everything is gonna be okay all the time. It doesn't mean things won't be hard. It it takes effort. It takes spending time in prayer each day. It takes spending time in God's word each day. It takes coming to church each week. It means trusting him no matter what, even when you feel like you're about to sink. Because the truth is, as as he calls our name, as as he beckons us out into the water and we walk on the water towards him and we must fix our eyes on Jesus. Because as we walk towards him, the the wind is going to blow against us, right? The waves are going to crash against us. Unexpected situations, they will come, they will surprise us, but don't doubt, trust Jesus. Anxiety and stress, it will overwhelm us. Don't doubt, find peace. And Jesus, bad decisions, they will haunt us. Don't doubt, do you still love Jesus? There is hope. Follow him, feed his sheep. With our eyes fixed on Jesus, there is hope no matter what storm comes our way. He will not let us sink, but we must reach for him. So as the band plays this last song, I'd I'd encourage you to reflect, reflect on Jesus. Be reminded of his love for you. Be reminded that he's calling your name. Be reminded that he's waiting for you on the water. As you reflect and as you reach for him, uh, let him know that you love you. Let him know that you're ready to follow. And if you've come today and you're weighed down and you feel like you're in the depths, and you would have come forward and get prayer and you're desperate for the hand of Jesus to lift you up, we'll be down here to pray with you. If, you, if you've come and you wanna wash away that guilt and regret in baptism, the water is ready. Our church believes here that one way we follow Jesus is sharing the good news. So as you leave, you're gonna see these cards on the table. We, we're asking you to grab some of these cards, take them home, pray over them. In July, we're gonna start a new series called Rethink When Life Hasn't Gone the Way You Planned. And we want you to invite some people that you think need Jesus, that you think would benefit from being here at church with us. But before we go, I, I would like to pray for you now. So if you would bow your heads with me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for their willingness to follow you, God. And we just pray that you continue to lead us, that you continue to call our name, continue to call us on the water. And we just pray that we could fix our eyes on you. As we go today, as we go this week, we just pray that we continue to remember uh, that we are yours. And as you whisper to us, do you love me? I pray that we could answer back, yes, Lord, you know I love you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired Podcast. 
Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.